Hello and welcome to the audio version of Clairvoyant Conversations. I'm your host, Alexander Creek, a professional intuitive, astrologer, numerologist, etc. Lots of things. Kind of a, a rainbow unicorn situation going on over here. And on this podcast, we discuss um, everything spiritual, spooky, metaphysical, uh, with a dose of pop culture and current events, along with interviews with other spooky and rad human beings in the field that I think are funny and interesting. So, um, on this week's episode, I chat with the lovely and hilarious Alexis from Aries Astrology, where we talk about how she got her start in astrology, you know, her unique approach, her unique approach to reading charts, the difference between house systems, which I'm always fascinated by, um, along with the kind of upcoming astrology, the upcoming transits, including Mars retrograde and the Mars Saturn square. And we're going to talk a little bit on her upcoming presentation on relationships in Mars Venus. Uh, at the Fresh Voices in Astrology Summit. So check that out. Um, I really love this conversation. So uh, make sure to subscribe if you like the podcast. Um, If you're listening to the audio version, uh, I also have the video interview up on YouTube as well if you would like to see our faces. (laughs) So you can check that out on YouTube. And then, of course, check out my information in the show notes below, as well as Lexis. Give her a follow on Twitter or maybe even, I don't know, get a reading because she's really good. So uh, enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining me. My name is Alexander Creek, as you may or may not know. Uh, and welcome to Clairvoyant Conversations. Um, today, I have on my uh, fabulous uh, astrologer, Alexis of uh, Aries Astrology. Um, hi, Alexis. Thank you for coming on. Hey, it's a pleasure for me to be on here. Thank you. Yay. Uh, so I have been following Alexis for a couple months, I think just on Twitter. I think I just saw that you, I think I, I, think I saw you make a TikTok that basically um, addressed haters of astrology that I thought was quite funny. And um, I, I thought your Twitter in general was um, generally hilarious. And as somebody with um, lots of planets in Gemini, uh, I need to be, I need to be entertained while also learning something. So um, I booked a session with her, uh, with you, with you, with her uh, couple, I think it was like last week and it was really, really good. Um, And um, I've had a couple readings. I've I've had a couple astro like astrology readings before by more well-known people that it didn't resonate with me as much. And I don't feel like they, and I felt like you took a lot of time with me too. Like I appreciate like a 90 minute session, (laughs) you know? So, um, so uh, I highly encourage everyone to check her out. Uh, Her stuff or your, your links uh, are going to be in the show notes, but um, welcome to the show. Um, So I, first of all, you're young. So I want to know, I mean, I'm fairly young too. Okay, but uh, you, um, you, you don't, your work doesn't, doesn't like, it doesn't speak like I'm super young. You know what I'm saying? So I thought your reading was really, was really in depth. So I want to know how, like how you found astrology, how you found tarot, kind of what your history with it is, what your background is and how long you've been practicing. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, personally for me, I feel like in order to know my story with astrology and tarot, you have to know a little bit about me first. So for anyone who's watching, who's really into astrology, you haven't heard me tell people this for the 10th million time. I have a seventh house stellium in Aries. I love to talk about it because like, that's all you need to know about me. And I have a Libra moon and I'm a Libra rising. Basically, you know, with, with my childhood and how I grew up, I really grew up with having other people tell me who I am. And, you know, 
being like, you know, an Asian American woman, you know, it's kind of hard to fight back unless you look cute. You look <laughs> cute. And, I mean, I say it as a Libra rising, but like I never had a, a solid grip on who I was growing up. And I didn't really think much about it until my relationship started going downhill. And I'm like, oh shit, if I need to date someone, I need to actually know who I am. Huh, what a concept. So whenever I was 18, I discovered astrology when I was 18. I'm now 23. I discovered astrology during my middle return. I saw astrology and at first I was like, man, how could something so stupid be so popular for the past 2000 years? I actually started off as a skeptic and I made an account on Tumblr and I was like, look, because these like astrology memes on Tumblr are so popular, let's see why. And if I'm going to hate on this subject, I should probably study up on it just so that if anyone argues with me, I don't lose. If you don't want to lose an argument, mm -hmm. you study. So the rest is history. So I started on Tumblr. I got a large following there. And then I moved onto Twitter, got a large following there. And as I kind of grew into my astrology practice, I was like, man, I know exactly why I'm doing this. Because whenever I studied astrology, I couldn't disprove it, first of all. I'm still an astrologer. Yeah. And I think the most liberating thing as a person who never had a solid agency of finding out my own identity, astrology really helped me do that by myself. Like if someone told me that I was dumb, I would look at my Mercury conjunct Saturn and be like, ah, I can see why I would agree with you. But it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that I'm actually stupid. I'm just very critical with the way that I talk. Mm -hmm. And it's stuff like that that really helped me. And for a lot of young people out there, I mean, they're growing up, they're going to college. I think that's my main client base, my main audience. And, mm -hmm. you know, astrology helped me get to college. And for anyone who gets a consultation from me and they're going through college, it is hard to find yourself and be yourself when you're growing up. And my purpose with astrology is to help people remember who they are and if they already do at least get better tools to mm -hmm. assert themselves because like we live in a world that doesn't allow you to be who you are you know capitalism you know all that good stuff oh yes <laughs> yeah and then uh, and then in terms of tarot i don't i don't say i specialize in tarot i mean i mm -hmm. i mean i kind of sat and realized i was like oh my god i've been doing tarot for three years and i kind of sat there i was like huh so i don't yeah. I don't particularly specialize in tarot. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why my um, prices for my tarot readings are so cheap. Cause it's gotcha. like, you're not paying for my expertise. You're paying for my opinion. My three year old opinion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if sure. you like it, then you like yeah. it. So yeah, a lot of my astrology history has really been about self-remembrance. Mm -hmm. And if you go into, you know, and I'm also very Martian. So I think, you know, when it comes to astrology I kind of like to visualize, you know the universe giving people weapons to cut their own path. It's like, Lovely. here's a knife, cut something for yourself. Totally. So yeah, that's what I have. As a fellow Mars ruled, Mars ruled person, uh, as a Scorpio rising, I enjoy that uh, analogy. <laughs> so mm -hmm. although my Mars is in very emotional uh, cancer, so uh, my weapon of choice is usually passive aggression. <laughs> and like, you know, and just like uh, feeling emotional about something for a long time before actually saying anything about it. So um awesome i found because i found astrology when i was i found a numerology at the same time and i ended up especially in, in numerology first but when i was 18 18 19 and um it was like this huge awakening in my life you know like and i had known about astrology before that but i didn't know about it i just knew what my sun sign was and nothing else and then I had um, one of my best friends uh, was like, hey, you know, I'm really into this. You should like take a look and like actually like do your birth chart. And I was like, all right, cool. 
and then I, you know, like I did my first birth chart and it was like, it was just like, it made so much sense, you know, and that's evolved a little bit since then, obviously, cause you know, changed house systems. Cause I think everyone starts like a very kind of modern astrologer, Placidus house systems, that kind of thing. Um, actually, let me ask you, ask you about that. Cause you're kind of a blend of like modern and traditional, correct? Could you explain to someone who doesn't really know what the difference is a little bit about that? So uh, honestly, you kind of like unraveled like the biggest like astrologer debate in history because like, <laughs> yeah. like ever since like, you know, the ancients were practicing astrology, they were literally fighting on like, which house system do you use? Yep. And basically I saw a tweet by my friend, Alan. He basically mm -hmm. said this, the debate about house systems is kind of like how you debate on slicing up a pie. Like yeah. you bring a pie <laughs> totally. to a party yep. and you have like all these astrologers trying to split the pie in 12 in their own way. And they're mm -hmm. arguing why it has to be sliced that way. So Placidus is a quadrant based system. And then while the whole science is not, whole science is more aligned with the um, tra um, traditional astrology. So like Hellenistic mm -hmm. traditions. And then Placidus is kind of more like a modern day um, house system. Mm -hmm. Personally, I mean, if you're kind of debating on which house system to use, I have used both. Um, extensively personally mm -hmm. I would I mean honestly when people ask me which one to use I'm just like work with the one that best frames your tools most beautifully yes and I mean no oh. system is wrong by the way so like if someone mm -hmm. tells you that this system's wrong or that system's wrong I think most astrologers actually use multiple house systems mm -hmm. just because some techniques and some practices require different house systems but of course there's like a whole debate on, on that sure. part too <laughs> totally yeah but yeah I hope, that okay, I, cool. I hope that answered your question yeah no i just because I, I don't think people if someone's like just generally aware of astrology like they're always going to use like if they're gonna like pull up like a time passages or something like they're not going to change like the, the default house setting and when i did like when i was like oh there's like once I started to kind of explore different house systems, I just cho chose whole house just because it was frankly easier to like follow, like, frankly, like if I'm going to read like a good astrologer's horoscope, I don't have to like, with, with Placidus, my planets were in, I would have like, I'm a Scorpio rising, but if I wanted like the correct kind of horoscope, I'd have to read Sag because most of my planets would be like in that degree if that makes sense yeah so i was like this just it, it just resonated a little bit easier and then it's like my brain can always my moon and virgo brain can always go like back and forth and just like analyze everything to death so for me it was like why don't you just pick one and stick with it for a while and just see how that works out for you <laughs> you know so yeah, yeah. so I, I think what you're saying kind of echoes also like other professional astrologers that i've asked about this they're just like just like go with what speaks to you and I do kind of feel like with any divination tool, like you just kind of have to pick one system and, and work with it and like let the universe kind of talk to you through that. Because if you're good, if you're a good reader, then like the universe can kind of talk to you whatever tool you're basically using, you know? Yeah, so. I actually really agree with that. Like what I've kind of learned on my astrology journey is that what I do notice in like astrology communities is that everyone is trying to dig at the latest astrology tool like yeah. ever. And like, it's great because like, we need to learn like more techniques, but mm -hmm. honestly, the best consultations and the best astrologers, in my opinion, come from those who can just master the four basic concepts. Really, you don't, I mean, if you want to be a good astrologer, just have a really solid grip on the signs, the houses, the aspects, wait, house, signs, aspects, and then um, 
planets. So like, mm -hmm. you know, with that, I mean, with my personal approach, I like to keep it simple. I mean, if you remember from our consult, whenever I talked mm -hmm. to you, I never told you like, oh yeah, Scorpio rising with Mars and Cancer in the fifth house means this. Like yeah. I literally told you, oh, you're someone who really cares about being creative. Wait, not being creative. Um, I, I kind of told you something else without the delineation, just because yeah. like, I mean, I feel like astrology is kind of like a celestial skeleton. Mm -hmm. And because it's a skeleton, you need to add the flesh, but you gotta be creative with the flesh and you can't be creative unless you already know the skeleton really well to back right. up what you're saying. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, like you can do, you can just say what everything means kind of by rote or like, I think like the magic happens when there, there's always like some intuitive element or something like for me, there's like an intuitive and a kind of creative element for me. So like whenever I'm looking at, if I'm looking at a chart, if I'm looking at like a numerology chart or whatever it is, like I could tell you, oh, nine means this and blah, blah, blah. But it just sounds like a lot of like technical jargon. Yeah. So like, how do I connect with that? It's like, you kind of have to let your, for me, it's kind of like, uh, my, your vibes kind of have to fill the, fill in the dots and like, you're talking to an actual like, person. They're not going to understand like what the hell you're saying. So. Yeah. I think honestly, I think that's what really scares people when it comes to like using astrology. Cause like when you look at astrology, technically it's just like a weird symbol on a weird circle chart. Yeah. And like, I feel like it is more difficult than people would like to admit because like you literally have to trust yourself. Like you have to take mm -hmm. like a leap of faith that isn't really like present in other subjects or other practices. Like for example, in science, there's no way, unless right. you're trying to look for a theory, unless you're experimenting, you know, whenever you do interpret something, usually with other practices, you have to have a very strong basis. And while mm -hmm. that is there in astrology, I think with divination, like there is always like this leap of like creativity and like mm -hmm. good faith that like, you're gonna do it right. Yeah, and like, it's, totally. hard, it's hard to explain because like, you know, if my science friends ask me how it works, I'm just kind of yeah. like, feelings. That's part of magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's feelings. Yeah. I use yes, my feelings. Totally. totally. Yeah. Like I was drawn to this certain thing and I started talking about it or like, you know, and I, um, sometimes I don't think people realize like if you're in the position of like the, if you're reading somebody, if you're the reader, it's a scary experience for the reader as well. Like a lot of the time it's very nerve wracking because it does feel like you are kind of jumping out of a plane a little bit. Like, you know, I mean, it, it's been that way for me for like, Obviously, when you do it for a while, your confidence goes up and up and up. But I'm never not nervous before I give someone any kind of consult or any kind of obsession, you know? Oh, yeah. I get <laughs> I personally get so nervous. And yeah. fortunately, I can, like, hide it with my face once the consult starts. But, like, yeah. there's always, like, this, like, feeling of, like, I don't know if it's anxiety. But, like, this feeling of, like, oh, my God, I have to read this person. And they're going to listen to everything I say. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, I have to be careful. And it's a good thing to be careful, too. But Absolutely. Like, I mean, like, you're right. Like, I, I mean, I've been reading charts since like 2016, 2017. And like, mm -hmm. I still get the nerves. Like, I don't think those nerves yeah. will ever go away. And I think it's a good thing that they don't. I agree. I agree. It's like a little bit, I just feel like if an, I just feel like it's like a little bit of stage fright or something every time, like it keeps you sharp and it keeps you from like sliding into phoning it in, yeah. <laughs> you know, so like you know so um I'm, I'm glad you agree with that it's it's definitely like a weird like uh it just keeps me on my my toes a little bit so um can i ask you i 
is there something in your particular chart that says to you, like, I don't know, that like makes you a good astrologer or that like some kind of like aspect that was like, was kind of like, I think if I look at this part, there's kind of no way I could not do this at least for part of my life. Does that make sense to you? Oh yeah, definitely. So I actually looked at it for myself because Mm -hmm. actually, you know, the question of like what makes an astrologer is like a really common question. I see people debate and they're like, oh, it's Uranus or oh, it's like Mercury. Yeah. For me personally, I mean, think about the way that like I I looked at your chart. Honestly, the indicator of an astrologer, it will kind of unfold itself personally for every Mm -hmm. astrologer that does it. So for me personally, I, I mean, I have to thank my seventh house stellium for this because personally, I'm really good at reading people without yeah. astrology. I can just kind of look at someone and be like, oh, it's like, I'm like, I'm good with the vibe checking. And yeah. then I will say though, a lot of people have told me this. They get surprised that I have an Aries Mercury because a lot of people think Aries Mercury's are just a little too impulsive. They sound kind of dumb. I mean, sometimes I am, but like, you know, <laughs> and they were just so, because like the way that people say that my consultations are like, they always tell me that like, whatever I speak or talk about anything, I sound very relatable, really easy to like understand. So it's, it's accessible and it's really like simple. And yeah, and like, and it almost feels less of like I'm speaking to them, even though I'm really not. And mm-hmm. I would kind of tie that to the fact that like Mercury is in my seventh house. And, you know, Mercury is also the Lord of my 12th house. So, you know, I really tie it to my Mercury because out of all the planets in my chart that a lot of people see, they do see my Mercury the most. In fact, like my Aries Mercury is like popping off right now. Because, <laughs> yeah. Because for me, like, honestly, when it comes to talking about astrology, it shouldn't be complicated. Mm-hmm. Like, when I say point A to point B, I will try to my best to make sure it's from point A to point B. Because I feel like, especially with divination, since there's so much like insight like coming into you, yes. as a translator, you gotta work really hard to make sure that like the other person on the other end understands it. Cause like, you know, congratulations for having divination like flood all over you, but it doesn't mean anything if the other person doesn't understand. And, Completely. And that's definitely my goal. So I would say like by Mercury and Aries in the seventh house, but like for anyone who's like curious, there's probably something in your chart that would make a lot of sense. Yes. And like, you don't have to, like, if you're drawn to something, just do it. You don't have to like, look for that special thing that like makes me, because I, I would always like look for something in my, in my chart, like what, for whatever it is I wanted to do. I was like, Oh, do I have this in me? Like, should I, of course I'm like overthinking it. And I'm like, just, just do it. If you're drawn to something, there's a reason for that. So go, go explore it. But I would agree with your, uh, 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 Mercury and Aries too, which because I because I think like the very first couple words you were like, so you paid this amount for this, so like think about your questions, <laughs> you know, and it was like basically like I want you to get your money's worth, so like you know let's not like let's not mess around here, and I I I, I really enjoyed that, and it does come out of communication, you know what I mean? If I'm like, so if I'm like in a more like uh, intuitive, uh, if I'm doing an intuitive reading for a client, and I'm like seeing something with my inner eye it's hard sometimes like hard for me just it's like i'm getting the vibe but how do i translate that i remember seeing a client like last week and i was doing a reading and i i saw her as like this red tornado right so i was like trying to describe what it felt like red is always kind of my stressful kind of my stressful energy it felt fearful something like that and then the tornado to me is always like this kind of chaos symbol 
but and luckily she understood what the hell I was talking about but it's like I have to like take that picture that I'm seeing and I've always been very visual and just you have to like communicate that to your client they're not always going to understand your like downloads and shit you know what I mean (laughs) so yeah I mean they don't have to that's why they paid you for it exactly And, and like you know it's really, I mean, I think the best way that I could put it, it's kind of like looking at someone's chart. It's kind of like, it's kind of like looking at someone's, like a work of art. Cause whenever you look at art in the museum, I mean, philosophy of art is like a whole like big, like. You were a topic. philosophy major, correct as well? In yes. college? Okay. Yes, I'm a BA in philosophy. <laughs> yeah. And I like, I liked philosophy of art a lot. So like yeah. the whole purpose of art is a whole, a whole big yeah. like whole ball game but right. like whenever you look at someone's chart it's almost like looking at art like if you're like if you were good at english in like high school you might do well with astrology just because like there is like a more humanistic touch when it comes to astrology you kind of have to look at this weird like circular graph with like planetary glyphs and be like huh i have to make something out of this how do i do totally. that yeah but yeah i i i feel like different astrologers kind of focus on different things in the chart as well or they're drawn to different things in your chart than, than another astrologer would as well too mm-hmm. definitely I suppose, I suppose just like you're looking at a painting you're gonna like notice different things about it yeah exactly <sighs> um yeah I, I i have to say i i appreciated uh, references to spongebob in my reading as well i think that's why i connected with you just because it was funny like it was like I personally really don't like when a reading is like overly fluffy or like way too out there for me, it has to be kind of grounded in reality somewhat. Like just like something I could like wrap my head around, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm the same way. Definitely. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I like to have funny readings just because like, I feel like in the astrology market right now, like all, I mean, Mm -hmm. not to like bash on my colleagues, but like, Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's okay to laugh during a consultation and to have like, to make like the consultation like entertaining. Cause I think, you know, a consult is just not, you know, me like dumping words into your head about your heart. (laughs) Like I really hate if a consultation like ends up that way, but when Mm -hmm. it's not that way, like if I can put in all of the funny memes that I can into the consultation, or if I find a way to like drive the point home, but still make the um, client laugh, that's like my personal goal. Just because like, I mean, even though astrology can be a very serious, like eye-opening, insightful subject, it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to feel so heavy. Like, yeah. so like, you know, and also, I mean, like, unless you're like, you know, a boomer and you don't watch SpongeBob, I feel like, Mm -hmm. I know that Gen Z collectively just knows every SpongeBob episode. (laughs) Totally, yeah. Um, totally. And millennial and millennials too. It depends if you're like a younger millennial or an older millennial. But like, yeah. we just have a collective like knowledge about SpongeBob memes. Like, I could look at a SpongeBob screenshot and be like, yeah. "Oh, I know that episode." Totally, yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I think I think it's important just to like. For me, I'm always trying to make my client laugh like a few times. And there's, I'm also like a huge comedy nerd as well. So there's always like, let me like work on this bit real quick. Like, like while I'm like talking to you and I can also hear myself like say the same joke, like every client session. And I, and like, I'm like, wow, using that same old tired material, uh, same old uh, tired uh, material, Alex, really, really good job with that one. But I do think it's like, especially if you're talking about something really heavy, like uh, it's like, I'll do occasional mediumship as well. So like, Mm -hmm if there's like a river of tears, it's like, okay, let me just kind of break up the tension a little bit. That's like the point. So 
anyway. Um, okay, let me back up. Uh, I wanna like kind of back up just a tad. So if someone is, so if like, if someone's kind of fairly new to, to their astrology chart, to astrology like in general. So when you're saying Mercury and Aries, so we have planets, we have signs, we have houses. So I'm kind of wondering if you can give like a general kind of like concept to what that, what that is to somebody. Yeah. If they're like just aware of their sun sign. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when it comes to a lot of my clients, a lot of them are like really interested in learning astrology. So sometimes it's kind of like a little mini astrology lesson and like using their chart as like an example of what I'm like teaching them. So, I mean, I'm going to pull up a nail chart just to explain better because I'm a visual Please. person, but like, you know, think of the planets. I mean, I think the planets personally are like one of the most important parts of the chart. And I think of them as people. If you, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys know Cells at Work. It's like an anime. It basically, it personifies all of the body parts in the body. So like a blood, a red blood cell is like a person. That's kind of the way you want to approach the planets. The planets are people and they have their own goals and their own objectives. And they are in the houses. And literally it's like a house. They live there and they're trying to do their objective in the houses. And the signs, you know, a lot of people tend to like really, you know, exaggerate on the signs when really it should be the planets because I think the signs kind of show the circumstances or like the expression a planet can take. So whenever someone's looking at a chart, like especially for like aspects, for example, they're like, what the heck are those? Like, what are those lines? I would tell them it's like, well, you know, whenever you grow up, like you have people that you hate and people that you like, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, all the people you hate, they're probably disharmonious aspected to you. So like, for example, <laughs> in my natal chart, nobody likes my moon. My moon opposes Mercury, Saturn, the sun, and my Venus. Nobody likes my moon. So it's oh, like beef. <laughs> yeah, I know, for my poor moon, right? But my moon's in the best house. The moon ha is in my first house, so they're in the best estate. It's like having a nice mansion. And like, some houses are not created equally either. I kind of like to tell my clients that like, whenever like I'm talking about their chart, I'm talking like as if like they are their own world and it's not completely wrong to say that because technically our natal charts are a transit. They were a transit at, at a very specific moment. We are literally like walking moments of time. And when I kind of say it that way, it's like, we're kind of like our own little world. I'm just kind of like your tour guide. I always think it's pretty profound, like that moment of time that you were born, you know, roughly, basically, like the moon could have been hurtling any, like the moon moves so fast, like where the moon is in your chart, it, I don't know, all the points uh, of these bodies in space are it's like their own energy and you're kind of like walking sort of blueprint or DNA. I just always think about that, so. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, the things that move the fastest in your chart are your ascendant and then the moon. The moon just mm -hmm. zips around. The ascendant mm -hmm. approximately changes like every like one to two, every like two-ish hours. It depends. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, because of that, like when it comes to reading a natal chart, like you can like know for sure that this, at this moment in time specifically, this is you. And you know, when I kind of, you know, when I try to like help people understand how to like read astrology, kind of think of it as like going in, it's kind of like reading a book and like seeing the world building, like reading like a fantasy novel, like maybe like Lord of the Rings and seeing mm -hmm. like how this person hates that person, but this person likes that person. And like, you know, and with like, you know, the Midheaven or like the North Node, whatever you use as like purpose, there's a goal in mind. 
if you want to think of it that way. It really just depends on your philosophy. Most people that I read, they do want to know like, you know, what they're meant to do, but mm -hmm. I am perfectly equipped for like any like nihilistic person being like, I don't want purpose. <laughs> don't let me know. <laughs> totally. and, I, totally. and, I, and I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> do you see like an objective of the soul when you look at the chart? Like, do you see like a little bit about like what the soul kind of came to learn or do or like how they evolve? And I, I guess, could you explain maybe how, how you see that as well? Yeah. So like personally for me, I don't think that my astrology is the most like spiritual out there because mm -hmm. there is a, there is a whole branch of like astrology called evolutionary astrology that really goes mm -hmm. into past lives, karma, your objective, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot mm -hmm. of great astrologers who are into that. For me personally, maybe because I'm a little too scared perhaps mm -hmm. to go mm -hmm. into a subject that I don't completely know. Mm -hmm. Whenever it comes to find the objective of the soul, because I do have clients that like think that I'm a spiritual astrologer. Yeah. They're like, they're like, oh yeah, where's my purpose? Or where's my what's my past life? Or like what yeah. can I know? Yeah. I kind of just tell them like, because I do I did dabble a little bit when I was trying to figure out what kind of astrologer I was going to be. Yeah. And I would just tell them, like, well, from what I've read, you can check out this, you can check out that <laughs> sure. from this book that I read. And I think the answer, honestly, is mm -hmm. yes. Because, and I, I will say like, maybe if you like your 10th house, the North node, I think like purpose is such an, like a very ambiguous term yes, because it, it could, it could be like a big lofty goal that you can achieve for the rest of your life. Or it could be something really small and really puny and it doesn't really mm -hmm. matter that much. And because of that, you can literally point technically anywhere. It, I mean, I think honestly, if someone asked me what their purpose was, the first thing that I would ask them is what would make you feel the most fulfilled? Because, you know, in my mind, even if we did achieve a certain objective or, or you know, the purpose, if you don't feel fulfilled, does that kind of take away from the fact that it was your purpose? So like, you know, I'm not really too informed on the spiritual mm -hmm. matters of stuff, mm -hmm. but when mm -hmm. people do try to ask, I try to give them what other astrologers would commonly say, even though technically you could find it in the whole chart. Yeah. So you can, so technically the answer is the whole chart, but if you want a good starting place, I would say your midheaven, your sun, and then mm -hmm. your rising. That's what I would say. Um, okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I definitely am like, <laughs> I forget like how intense I am. Cause I, 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 I'm always like, what is the purpose of the soul? Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, and I definitely like end up like tuning into that as a reader, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so, but I, I also am just like, you're, I also kind of think your objective or purpose doesn't have to be this big lofty thing. Sometimes your objective or purpose is like just connection with other human beings or something like that, you know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. like, if I look at your, let's say I'm like looking at your numerology, right? Mm -hmm. And like, you have all of this, uh, like nurturing like six energy in your um destiny number right so that's kind of like what your what your soul kind of came to accomplish like the energy they really wanted to sort of work out because you already came in with this stuff and like what are you going to work out like sometimes you're people think their purpose is very lofty and i'm like sometimes you just kind of came to this planet to like nurture people and be nurtured and like that's kind of it <laughs> you know like your career stuff is all kind of separate. So um, thank you for that definition or kind of like how you see that. And also like, there are so many different types of astrology out there. Like we have, we have natal, like natal astrology, which is like looking at you. We have 
how would you like define uh, mundane astrology as well? Mundane astrology is kind of like if natal astrology is reading like you, then mm -hmm. mundane is kind of like reading the world. Mm -hmm. And technically, like, you know, you can like find like the natal chart of like any country and like yeah. read it as if like it was a human. Totally. And that's, that's how, kind of how we started out. And then like there's electional astrology where we can, you know, if you want like a really great event, like you're getting married soon or you want to start a podcast, you can use electional astrology. And the horary astrology is kind of, it's really interesting. It's kind of like tarot, but astrology mm -hmm. where you yeah. ask a question and you answer the question with the chart that you pull up. Because the premise of astrology is that if you can find the origin of something, then you can find the present and the future. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. And honestly, astrology can be used for like a lot of strange things. Like, um, <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Because yeah. whenever I went to my first astrology conference, they mm -hmm. had like a whole guide on how to like handle yourself at an astrology conference. Cause it's a big one. And okay. it was UAC of 2018. And yeah. I saw that they even did a weather forecast using astrology. Whoa. I know, okay, I don't know much about it. So don't ask me about the details. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. And then like there's financial astrology. Like, I mean, I do social media for ESAR and like mm -hmm. for a lot of organizations and I see like different astrologers and what they're lecturing on. There's a whole sector of like financial astrologers that use astrology to kind of watch start the stock market. I, that's, that, that, uh, that's amazing. I know I, it's weird. It's so yeah. interesting. And then like, there's also like parts of astrology. I think there was even like a gardening astrology almanac that I saw once. And you can use astrology to garden. So like if you're a plant mom, you can go in. It it's makes for, sense, especially yeah. if you're looking at the moon, I would think. For, yeah, you know definitely. I mean? mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, let me ask you as far as, uh, I guess, if you don't know, that's, that's totally cool. But I'm always interested in like, okay, so we're in this like insane year. And, uh, and I am just looking at, what I'm looking at as like, okay, so I, I want to, have, have you kind of peeked at the energy of this year and maybe a little bit of what is coming up and like, what is your, do you have a general vibe? Do you have any kind of general thoughts about like the different transits and different things that are going to occur? Cause I'm, I'm particularly interested in like what's coming up and then also into like 2021, like what kind of cycles we have been in and what cycles we are going into. Yeah. So like, first of all, if you're fearing that 2021 is going to suck, no. 2020 is the sucky year. 2021 <laughs> is better. Mm -hmm. But any year is better than 2020. I'll just say that. <laughs> yep, totally. I mean, the astrology of 2020 has been really, it's not really good if you want your capitalistic notions to be achieved. Because like, I felt mm -hmm. like 2020 was like the ultimate like, anti-capitalist year. Because we had like a million retrogrades. We start off the year with a great Saturn and Pluto conjunction, which basically tells you, hey, you need to slow down. There's so much ugly things underneath that you need to look at. You can't just ignore it anymore. And then, you know, capitalism always keeps on going. Mm -hmm. And like, we, I mean, with the world trying to keep on going, it kind of stopped. We had a Venus retrograde, we have a Jupiter retrograde, Saturn retrograde, and then Mercury retrograde. There's going to be a Mars retrograde coming up on September 9th. And yeah. then there is a Mercury retrograde overlapping the Mars retrograde on October 14th. So like, it's been a whole year of just like sitting and like knowing how to be productive while you're doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And 
I will say, I think at the end of this year, like like December, I don't look at transits too often until people are like, oh my God, look at the transits. And I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And then like, you know, <laughs> there is a Jupiter and Saturn conjunction, I think in December, there is one coming. I and think like, it's like December 21st. I think so. Like it was like December, yeah. I was saying like December 17th, December, like mm -hmm. late December. And mm -hmm. a lot of astrologers are like really like hyped up about it because grand conjunctions in astrology are super important basically it's like a conjunction between like any of the outer planets so like jupiter saturn uranus neptune all those things those are usually like generational markers for example right. the saturn pluto conjunction was really important we can kind of see how it ended up and jupiter and saturn are going to be conjunct in aquarius and it's interesting because, you know, when people look at Jupiter and Saturn, it's like a conceptual challenge because people think of Jupiter and Saturn as two completely different planets. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, good teacher versus like scary teacher, right. you know? And, you know, I think whenever those two planets come together, I think it's the ultimate question of what is abundant and what does an opportunity look like? And how are we gonna, you know, make the best of the opportunities that we have? Because looking at philosophically, I mean, with Jupiter, for example, a lot of people think of Jupiter as like the planet of luck. It's only luck if you see everything as something beneficial. The reason why something is an opportunity is because you perceive it as an opportunity. And with Saturn coming up, being really close to Jupiter, it's in Saturn's sign because it's Aquarius. Saturn's kind of looking at Jupiter being like, there are, you could interpret everything as an opportunity, but some opportunities will last like a firework and some of them will last in, the, in our history textbooks. Which one are you going to choose? Mm -hmm. And so I think like, you know, as of right now, if anyone is watching this and they feel like shit, Mars is square to Saturn right now. Yeah. It's painful. Yeah. And you know, when Mars goes retrograde and when Mercury goes retrograde, there's going to be a lot of like intensity, a lot of volatility, like, it's going to be pretty rough from like September to November. I will just straight up say that if you have the privilege and the money and the time to take a break from social media, please take the break. Like it's going to be really helpful to just kind of sit down and be good at knowing how to do nothing. Cause that in itself is an art that a lot of people have been forced to learn literally through quarantine and just in general from working at home. So, you know, that's what I kind of feel like for the year. I mean, I think the rest of the year feels pretty intense, but by the time we approach 2021, it is going to get a bit better for sure. That's good. That's good to hear about 2021. Because uh, I'm definitely interested in, because I, uh, I could feel Mars for Saturn personally, like as, oh, I don't know, because, uh, okay, okay, let me, how would you define, I guess, so like define Mars, define Saturn, and then define like the, the, like the square between them and kind of what that energy feels like. Yeah, so I mean, it's gonna depend on your um, natal chart, but like mm -hmm. Mars and Aries, as of right now, when I see Mars and Aries, I think it's a brush of, I think it's a breath of fresh air. It's really scary, but I think it's a good um, opportunity to have needed uncomfortable conversations. Like whenever I, I read Mars and Aries in someone's chart, I kind of look at them and I'm like, have you confronted somebody about this issue yet? Have mm -hmm. you like, I mean, for you, for example, you're a Scorpio rising. So it's like, mm -hmm. have you confronted your, you know, your coworkers? If, if you mm -hmm. have coworkers, like, have you confronted how annoying they are? Like, have you had <laughs> yeah. like a needed conversation yeah. mm -hmm. with your workplace or your mundane life that needs to happen now? 
-hmm. So like with Mars and Aries, we've been trying our best to kind of like speed through life because with Mars and Aries, we're trying to do things as we want, whenever we want. But then Saturn is the main guy that goes, no. So, and it's squared right now. So, I mean, I have Aries ruling my seventh house. So for me, I want to have, you know, freedom in relationships. I Mm want to go see my boyfriend whenever I want. However, I want to go, but then Saturn is laying in my fourth house being like, no, stay home. (laughs) Don't do anything. And you're like, okay then. So like, you know, basically kind of think of Mars and Aries as like the really angry dog that just wants to do zoomies in the neighborhood. And And Saturn is like the really angry owner that has the leash. Mars is being leashed right now. And Mars is mad that they're being leashed. So, I mean, another feeling that I would evoke is I I live in Texas. So, like, you know, commutes are usually, like, 30 minutes or longer. And it's traffic's really bad at 5 p.m., not just because there's so many people there, but because people suck at driving. So, when I'm going to work, sometimes there are traffic jams and you can't do anything about it. And sometimes those traffic jams could very well make you 20 minutes late to work. And... It's the feeling when you are waiting in traffic, knowing that you could have done anything that you could have done, but it's still not going to be enough and it's out of your control. And you can't yell at the traffic because the traffic won't go faster. Yeah, it definitely feels, it's like the temper tantrum. It definitely feels like a major temper tantrum like aspect currently. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) So well, and so uh, I guess, uh, will you kind of explain a little bit about Mars retrograde as well? Because like, if, if you feel this now, you're going to be feeling it, I think, a lot more with Mars retrograde. Yeah, so when Mars goes retrograde, so just so you know, if you have a natal Mars retrograde, you're not going to feel it as much just because you live the Mars retrograde life in general. So fortunately, I have my Mars retrograde, so... Oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah, but for those who don't have their Mars retrograde, when Mars goes retrograde... It's really jarring when it's Mars, because at least with Mercury, you know, Mercury, it's like, oh yeah, rethink, reflect. You know, you can't take back your words, but words are just words. Like, it's like, you know, language. For Mars, it's kind of like, hold up, before you do something, is it really worth it? Are you gonna do it? And basically with Mars and Aries, for anyone who's watching, like, if you have any, if there's like any advice that I could give you, watch the way that you try to be impulsive, because, Impulsive, I mean, I think the main lesson really is that impulsivity is not always the quickest way to get what you want. Just because you go at it quickly doesn't mean you'll get it quickly. And, you know, because if you don't get what you want quickly, you're going to get even angrier anyway. So don't even do it. So I think when Mars goes retrograde, there is this like sensitivity that will come up because Aries is a very defensive sign. You can say one little word and they'll just blow up on you. Okay, like I'm personally like that, right? And when Mars goes retrograde, you also, it's also a transit about learning how to choose your battles. And with Mars and Aries, personally, Aries as a sign will try to choose every single battle. (laughs) And like, you know, it's admirable because like, you know, nowadays it's hard to even choose a battle period, but Mars and Aries is kind of like, oh my God, you said that my shirt was ugly gonna fight you when literally you have like three work appointments in the next hour you don't need to do that Mm -hmm. so basically and mars is also energy so and because aries kind of likes to like dive into everything it's also kind of like energy mismanagement and i think a lot of this retrograde will be about managing energy 
and knowing where to invest your efforts and where to kind of just like, you know, take a moment of grace and move on and how to like, you know, learn that like, if you don't take action on something, it doesn't say something about you unless like you speak like it, like you're doing something. Because I think there is this whole climate right now where it's like, you have to do everything to be performative, to prove that like maybe you're an ally of a movement or anything like that. I think with Mars and Aries being retrograde, it's kind of like, if you want to be good at something, if you want to invest your energy into something, you need to know what kind of energy that you have and what you can actually do. Like don't stretch yourself too thin because you feel pressured to. Like know what you can do and know your limits. And that's kind of the hard you know, lesson with this current Mars square Saturn transit because mm -hmm. it really sucks to tell someone that they can't do something because they're not good at it. Like for example, I would be pretty hurt if someone told me that I can't make Ikea furniture, even though it's true. I can't assemble. <laughs> But like totally. it, it hurts to hear that, but like yeah. it's true and mm -hmm. it can be helpful. So like for anyone who's like listening, like rather than be insulted and angry that you can't do everything, kind of accept that you can't and it's okay. It's part of the, yeah. human, the human experience. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great way of explaining everything. And like mm -hmm. the way that I've just been kind of, that I've been trying to like experience it is like kind of taking just a softer approach to life. Like I can't take on everything right now. There's, I just feel like I'm generally going to have slowdowns in my energy. Like as a Scorpio rising, it's in my Mars transiting through my sixth. So like, I just feel like I'm going to be uh, tired sometimes. And uh, I'm not going to maybe move as fast on these projects as I want. So um, yeah. And I, you know, that's what I've been just kind of like accepting because I want everything like now, <laughs> you know, so I have a little bit of like impulse control and like, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm like the neuro, the neurodivergent, like ADD scale somewhere. So I, I want things like now and I'm like, okay, well, this next two months, like just chill out. Like it's going to be fine. So as a person with like ADHD too, I want everything that happened like now, but like, <laughs> As I've learned with this transit personally, like, I mean, before this, I took like a three hour nap. Oh, and perfect. I, I took a three hour nap before and like, yeah. and also don't be surprised you take a lot of naps, especially for those with ADHD right now, just yeah. because like, it is so easy to get overly stimulated. I know personally for me, when I get overly stimulated, I just like sleep on, on, on my bed and I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't do it. I just like, I just go and you know, and it's really, I guess it's really sucky right now because like, I feel like there's like this strong drive in society in general to like keep on moving forward, mm -hmm. even though we don't live in a world that can allow us to do that very well right now. Yeah, <clears throat> it's weird. Cause it, you feel, you feel the Mars and Aries drive to just like do shit, <laughs> to yeah. like be active. But you, you know, it's a, it's, it's a very strange. Cause like, I wanted to like, today I woke up and I was like, I really wanna go to a coffee shop and get some work done. But then I'm like, okay. Well, consider the fact of plague <laughs> right yeah. now. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, okay. So before we run out of time, I wanted to. So you have a you have a talk coming up uh, through the. Um, uh, okay, I'm just gonna let you explain about uh, your talk, who it's for, what you're talking, about, uh, what you were going to talk about. Okay, so I'm like really excited for this talk. It's gonna be from Fresh Voices in Astrology. Um, mm -hmm. It's basically a platform where like young astrologers, especially they're um, people of color and LGBT community, they kind of come up and share their ideas. 
and it's my very first webinar. So like, if you guys want to like witness this milestone, like <laughs> you could come watch because like, it's, I'm really excited. It's my first talk and it's going to be called Connect and Break using Mars and Venus to, you know, create your own terms in your relationships. Now, this is something that I've actually done for all of my clients without telling my clients that I did it because it's, oh. been a, it's been a technique that I've been kind of been practicing for a while. And I've seen my clients look at me like, oh my God, that's so true. So I'm like, oh, I should probably go on and keep on doing it. Basically, when it comes to relationships, I'm a very strong relationship person. And I feel like one of the most liberating things that you can do in a relationship is create your own terms and know your skills and your limits. And knowing the parts of you that request collaboration and the parts of you that are kind of like no touchy, no touch zone. So, and you can find that with Venus and Mars. Venus shows the way that we desire um, collaboration, the places where we want to connect with other people. And then Mars kind of shows where we want to do life independently, where we don't want to necessarily collaborate with other people. And then the houses ruled by Aries, Scorpio, Libra, and Taurus kind of show how they kind of manifest in various areas of your life. So like, for example, you're a Scorpio rising. Your identity is a big no-no touch zone because mm -hmm. the, you know, the house that is ruled by Scorpio is the house that gives us individual empowerment or what we perceive to be individual empowerment. And usually the house that is ruled by Scorpio is usually kept as a secret. It's kind of like your own little secret power. Mm -hmm. And you don't want anyone to touch that. It's like mm -hmm. touching your own personal treasure chest. And for example, for you, I mean, as a Gemini Venus, you know, you're somebody who really buys communication. That is your preferred method oh, yes. of collaborating. I mean, we're doing mm -hmm. a podcast right now. Totally. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So basically with this talk, you know, I feel like nowadays society has like really contradictory advice and a lot of people, especially on social media, are very prescriptive on what you should do in your romantic um, situations and, we, and then some of them can sound like gurus. My goal really is just to help people learn what the heck they want and how to get what they want because it should really just be that simple. I'm an Aries Venus, it has to be simple. <laughs> and, you know, because yeah. like for example, like I mean personally, I was like when I was in middle school, I was really into those like romantic quotes, those romantic advice quotes on Tumblr. And like, I remembered at one point, I saw a quote that said, if you really love someone, you have to learn how to let them go. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. And then the other quotes like, if you really love someone, you'll never let them go. And I'm like, I was like, that sounds good too. And, <laughs> Let's just and, do both and see what happens. Like, yeah. You know what, that's actually a great idea. Just do both, but like, <laughs> you know, I kind of looked at that and I was like, gosh, I was 13 when I read that. Like, yeah. if like anybody was reading that, what would they do? Because like, I feel like, you know, with societal norms on how to function in love or what to think when it comes to love, there's like so many rules for people to follow, but like no one makes their own rules. We should make our own rules, especially mm -hmm. if you're gonna go through the emotions, the pain and the joy of being in a relationship. It's like, you know, rather than like following the rules of everyone else around you, just make your own. And that's what my talk is really about. Just because I feel like, you know, the next step after making rules for yourself is making rules for other people. If anything, mm -hmm. those two are probably overlapping processes that can help you further embody who you are as a person. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Awesome. Uh, when is your, when is your talk? 
How can people find it? Uh, is there a cost, et cetera? So I don't quite know the time. That is I okay. The date. <laughs> I know the date. So it's September 5th. If I remember correctly, that's a Saturday and it's going to be, I think, two o'clock central time. I'm going to check like really fast. So I don't like that is a Saturday. So Saturday the 5th. Mm hmm. So let me kind of look and see. Sorry to put you on the spot. I never know like time details either. Yeah. <laughs> so. so yeah. So it's going to be at two o'clock um, central time. So like if you're in the East Coast, that's 3 p.m. If you are in the West Coast, it's 12 p.m. So okay, that's in central. But yeah. And then you can find me on Twitter. That's where I'm the most active. I tweet way too much on there. So you can find me there. <laughs> and then I do have my own website. Um, it's called Aries.com. And basically, if you want to book a you know, consultation with me, it's all there. But there's also a blog that I do have on there. And all of, I mean, if you guys have followed me since my Tumblr days, like all of my Tumblr posts or the ones that I think should stay on there are on there too. It's like a gold mine of information that's completely free. And yeah, I really wanted to say that just because, you know, you know, I do use astrology as a, as a way to live, like as a living, but like my goal also is to make astrology really accessible. So like if there's like free info, I would literally just like spread it. But yeah. Absolutely. That's lovely. That's, I mean, that's how I learned a lot of astrology was just like free content by people, like listening to people's podcasts. Like back in the day of like when internet radio was like kind of first like an advent, you know? So um, I definitely, uh, I definitely appreciate that as someone who's kind of like, you know, inhaled a lot of that information. So um lovely uh well thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today this is lovely um i was just like you're funny and really good at your job so uh i want to talk to you <laughs> oh thank you so much i mean honestly it's actually really funny that you say that i'm like it's wait it's really funny that you said i'm funny i'm actually really happy that you yeah. said i'm funny because i think i have one of my like repeat clients just be like just do state-up comedy and astrology and you're set and I'm like, oh, maybe I should. But like, you know, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be on this podcast. And like, I love the questions that you have asked me too. Like there, these are the questions that people need to know. Like, for example, the house system question, yeah. holy hell, people need to know the answer to that one. So like, you know, <laughs> and then also, you know, you were an amazing client. And honestly, oh, you. you know, seeing the way that like this podcast kind of unfolded, I can literally see, I mean, like, you're more than your chart, but I can see literally yourself like unfold. And honestly, it was just a pleasure just sharing the same space as you. Okay, that, thank you so much. I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad we have some mutual feelings. That <laughs> I know <laughs> so, mutual. I, I love that. Um, okay, well, uh, oh, my cat wants to say hello. Okay, I'll I'll feed you in a second. Sorry, Simon. Sorry, I discovered my cat's kind of an, uh, an extrovert, and uh, I didn't really sign up for that. You know, so he just talks mm -hmm. way too much, which I Aww. which I appreciate, but. Um, Thank, but thank you for being quiet during this podcast, Simon. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna let you go. Um, everyone who's watching, um, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I also have the audio version of the podcast as well. So please click on the link and subscribe. If you're watching audio, I have the video version if you would like. Oh, that's my cat's butt right behind me. Ooh. Look at that. There you go. Uh, <laughs> what a precious baby. Look at this. Oh, hi, sweetie. Okay, so I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, um, have a cuddle session with my kitty and let everyone let everyone go. Um, everyone, uh, check out um, check out uh, Alexis's talk and her website and um, all the information on where you can find her will be in the will be in the show notes as well. 
Um, and um, please subscribe to my stuff and follow me as well. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much, everybody, and um, have a good week here. Hey, so of course my audio cut off right at the end there, but I was just kind of rambling anyway. So uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a nice review. Please subscribe uh, and please visit um, both Alexis and I's uh, social media. So I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening.